0: The Zulu War of 1879, a bloody conflict that saw the British Redcoats beaten at Isandwana and then bounced back to crush the Zulu Impis at the battles of Kambula, Gungundlovu, and Ulundi. It's a war that still remains fresh in popular memory, mainly thanks to those excellent films Zulu and Zulu Dawn. <laughs> Well if you're interested in the war, and I'm guessing you must be because you're watching and listening to this, you'll be excited to know that the biggest ever Zulu War Exhibition is taking place in London at the Royal Philatelic Society in July. It's the Clash of Empires exhibition and there's going to be hundreds of artifacts on display and a broad range of experts and speakers on all sorts of topics about the war. I'm even going to be there myself, I'm going to be speaking to all of those experts, I'm going to be finding out more, I'm going to be learning about some of the exhibit items, especially the weapons. It's going to be really good for me. And if all of that sounds like your cup of tea, then be sure to order your tickets via clashofempires.org. Some days are free, other days I think there's a £15 entrance fee, that also includes a small lunch. On a different note, just quickly for regular listeners and viewers of this show, you may realize my Indian Mutiny series will have to be paused for a few weeks while I do all of this content about the Anglo-Zulu War. Don't worry though, I've already edited the episodes about Cornpor and the Siege of Delhi, so they will be back. They're going to run in August. Anyway, back to today's episode. And to find out more about the Clash of Empires exhibition, I'm joined today by Alex Hyman, who's co-curator.
1: The exhibition is a... Now over eight year long effort uh, to have the first major and largest artifact driven exhibition focused on not only the angles of the war, but the context and history that leads us up to the conflict itself. And then spends quite a, a, a big part of the exhibition focused on, well, what happens after? So much of the discussion of the Anglos of the war, whether it's in online forums or websites, or even the, you know, the famous movies, really focuses so dramatically and obviously with with good reason on that January to July August period of 1879 and maybe a little bit in the in the 1878 period um, but the idea here is that that war doesn't just happen with no context and and afterwards it's not like time stopped so the the purpose of the exhibition is to through f- over 500 uh, historical artifacts uh, to let the artifacts drive a narrative to give greater, context uh, to the to the viewer, the attendee, on what's going on, what did this stuff look like, how were these objects used by the participants, both British and colonial and Zulu, uh, to, to lead us to this dramatic point in history, and then why do we think about it today? I mean, so the exhibition basically goes, has early 19th century focus on Shaka and objects of that early Zulu kingdom period, all the way to uh, the 140th
0: anniversary in 2019. So when you say there'll be all these objects on display, will it essentially almost be like a museum exhibition in that sense?
1: Oh yes, uh, yes, uh, yeah. sorry for not being more clear. It is absolutely like a museum exhibition. Um, I, I worked for the Smithsonian Institution for, for a number of years, uh, many years ago, and so that was sort of my introduction to thinking about the museum world in a very, in a very professional way. And I think about museums, uh, there are many different categories of museum exhibition. And if if, whoever's, if you're listening to this and you've been to lots of museum exhibitions, maybe this will sound you know related to you. There's the one that has sort of a few or a limited number of key principal objects. There are lots of white space between them, lots of space in the gallery between them, lots of interpretive panels, lots of curator driven narratives that are sort of guiding you along or reproduced images that are sort of in between the actual real genuine artifacts. And then there are other ones that are basically kind of have are much more artifact driven. Um, uh, the artifacts certainly tell a lot more of a story. Yet there still is a lot of interpretation. It's sort of like increasing the number of of objects, increase the number of interpretation panels. And then our goal was to sort of do something different, which was that the artifacts are ninety percent of what is being sort of curated and it's 10% or less is sort of the interpretation panels. there will of course be captions and explanations, but really it's a, when I say artifact driven, it's gonna be packed, artifact driven um, in a way that allows you as the viewer to sort of almost pick what objects you focus on. Otherwise you could be in, which maybe hopefully many of you will, but you could be there for many hours to sort of go through everything, but it's sort of what draws you in for whatever reason, What what. And that's kind of the whole goal. And I've been a collector of this now for over 25 years. And for me, that's what got me excited. And part of the exhibitions is trying to, in a way, mimic that collecting element, which is seeing lots of things. And it's there's too much to focus on every single object with equal attention, but rather to to sort of zero in on what attracts you. So what you know, what you are maybe the Zulu artifacts will be what really draws a particular visitor, you know, viewer's attention. Maybe it'll be you know, the 24th foot and finding all the 24th foot related items, or it's going to be something, you know, beadwork, things you would never even imagine would be at something like this. That's kind of the objective is to think about it in, in that way.
0: So, for people who are considering coming, could you give us a sense of maybe two or three items that you yourself find interesting? Tell us a little bit about them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it's like with anyone's children. You know, you've got you've got two. Do you have a favorite? Uh, maybe a favorite of the day, but you know, favorite over you know over a long time. I've got three. You know, favorites are tricky. Um, yes. So um, the exhibition, the smallest object in the exhibition is a postage stamp. The largest object in the exhibition is a large, uh, large size, uh, 1879 period regimental Zulu shield. So, and everything in between. Uh, the way I would describe it is that if you, if you think about any given moment in time, if you're at a restaurant, for example, and you're sitting there and you decide at that moment you want to collect and tell the story of this restaurant and this moment in time in 2023, what would you need? And you start thinking, I need, I would, I want the, you know, the waiters. You know, uh, coat. I want the sign outside the restaurant. I want the menu. I, I, you know, I need pictures of what's going on here. I need film. I need maybe I need to, you know, take some of the food and you know, you know, uh, uh, fossilize it so you could keep it for you know hundreds of years. So that's the exhibition range of objects is vast. Um, a few items of interest, of course, are uh, because it has to focus on it. Is you know we have uh, two uh, scripts from uh, the move from the filming of the movie Zulu. Um, so, so one. So original one,
0: production scripts.
1: Yes, uh, one used by Joe Powell, who plays a Sergeant Windridge, the one with the muscles, um, and then uh, another one uh, attributed to a part of one of the filming scripts uh, for Cy Enfield, the director. So fantastic! It's you know if 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 the movie is one of the reasons why you're int- why you potential viewer or, or attendee of the exhibition are interested. It's such an important part of the context of the, of the of our understanding of the war today so that that's a real other other film objects, of course, but those the scripts are, are, are one category going back in time so starting to much more in the 20th century. Um, I would have to say that we have um, for thinking about Zulu artifacts, um, we have s- uh, several objects related to different Zulu kings. Um, So, you know, Kachweo was the, you know, was the sort of critical pivotal figure of the war itself. But there, of course, are many kings after so we have different objects related, including letters written by uh, subsequent Zulu kings. Um, Within the war itself, I would say that I'll give you one Zulu and one British uh, object. There are a dozen 1879 period regimental war shields that are, you know, three and a half fish to five feet tall. They are impressive um, to behold in person, and they will be there probably the largest showing or gathering of uh, 1879 period shields in an exhibition like this to the public. Um, So that just having a sense of what these things look like in person, you know, though I've got one, you know, behind me right here. This doesn't really, this doesn't, you know, do it in the Zoom background. Um, and and the context of understanding, even just seeing a dozen of them in in this in one room, maybe can give someone a milla idea of what it would have been like to have had thousands of those shields being held and processing at you at great speed and fervor um, by by a Zulu army. So. That's another element, of course, is trying to understand the Zulu perspective. And it's difficult because they didn't have a written language at the time. And so their artifacts more than ever are how we can sort of get an essence of of that moment in their history. On the British side, we have um, many things. Uh, So uh, the one object that probably gives me the chills more than any other is we have a housewife, piece of British kit that was given to Private Beckett uh, at the start of his training in Brecon uh, when he joined the 24th, and was used by him for five years during that training in, in, in the UK, and then when he came to South Africa in 1877. And it's what you use, what a, a, a regular soldier uses to keep their utensils and uh, shaving uh, or uh, for eating, Whatever it may be, and you basically there's it's like a it's a canvas piece that you'll you'll be showing nearby, and you basically there's a little strap in the middle of it that sort of allows you to, to uh, hold things in place. Then you roll it up and you tie it and throw it in your pack. Private William Beckett was uh, one of the uh, defenders in the hospital uh, during the during the attack on Roerich from the Zulu perspective during the defense of Roerich from the British perspective uh, over the twenty second to twenty third eighteen seventy nine January, and. He was stabbed during the assault into the hospital by the, by the Zulus, and basically kind of wandered out into into sort of the darkness and hid. And by the more hid in the brush. And in the morning, was found by um, his fellow soldiers, but bled out and died. Uh, so one of the few um, defenders' workshop to be killed in the battle. The housewife piece of kit itself was sent back with his personal effects to his family. The family was uh, awarded, or uh, on behalf of their deceased relative, um, his posthumous campaign medal, and they kept the medal with or in that housewife uh, until 1999, when it was sold by his descendants thereof. So 120 years later, and um, I'm very fortunate that it was split by the by the owner that bought the medal and just and that wanted to keep the medal. And um didn't see as much of a, a need to to keep the uh, the housewife kit. It is one of the very few, regardless of how many people will tell you, they have a Drift, knob carry, Drift, you know uh, spear. there are it's very, very difficult to find actually attributable artifacts that were physically present during that particular battle over those over those hours. And this absolutely was there with with his kit and, and was used by him the morning before the battle begins and, and wasn't able to be used by him by the next morning. Uh, so that's, wow. that's a remarkable. But it's in a way, it's so simple. It's such a basic object that, again, most artifacts of wars aren't, you know, Nelson's blood all over, you know, a piece of paper or what, you know, pick any other area of of, you know, British military history or colonial military history, they are everyday objects used by the participants every single day or frequently and those are the things that would have been all over a campsite, all over, you know, every aspect of whatever was being done or used at a, at that given time. So, the fact that it is a basic object of kit actually excites me even more because it really sends this show explains that this is what would have been there this is the type of thing that would have seemed like nothing to the participants that battle because it was something that they saw every day they used every day
0: yeah no i think that's going to be fascinating i look forward to seeing that myself So as well as this amazing display of objects that people can look at, I believe you've also got a lot of authors, historians, specialists coming through to give talks. Can you give a sense of who's coming and when people can see them?
1: Sure, of course. So when the the exhibition concept was coming together, we realized that we had a a massive, major opportunity to not only draw folks in with deep specialist interests, but also the general public into an exhibition like this. well, it's sort of, you know, if you build it, they will come hopefully. Um, but at the same time, we said, well, let's let's sort of goose it a little bit and get uh, create a, a period of days where we can draw, where we would invite and hopefully, and we have drawn in now over 30 different presenters to speak. It's, uh, it's July 12 to 15, Wednesday to Saturday, right in the middle of the exhibition. The exhibition is July 1 to 31 every day except Sunday. Um, so those four days, we have speakers coming from uh, Australia, South Africa, the United States, and all over the UK, uh, from a uh, museum curator in Australia coming to speak on uh, the famous Neville painting of, of the defensive work's drift um, to um, speakers from the United States coming to speak on a, a wide variety of subjects. We have a professor, John Laband, coming from South Africa, who's written a, a, a great series of books uh, focused on the Zulu kingdom, the Zulu royal family, and he has one coming out uh, during that month, coincidentally, and very, very useful for the having it all happen around the exhibition, a uh, new biography of Lord Chelmsford. Um, uh, LeBan's book will be joined by five other books uh, that will be launched at the exhibition or be celebrating their launch at the exhibition. Um, so we have, uh, it's really a, a huge range. I, I direct you to org uh, slash symposium. Uh, and that will uh, that will take you just to a page and then there'll be information about all the speakers and it's uh, 15 pounds a day. So it's, which includes a, a, a simple, easy lunch. So it's really about just, if you sign up to come that you actually, we're trying to have you have a little skin in the game, so you will actually come. Uh, we have a limited number of seats, about hundred, hundred people per day. On the Saturday, we'll be doing a, a screen of the film Zulu and have a panel discussion with several experts on the film before and a discussion afterwards, so really a way to dive into if the film is really what drives uh, your you know initial interest or continued interest in the subject. Uh, you know Saturday will be a great day um, looking at B- British uniform kit. We've got Zulu presenters speaking about the Zulu perspective. Uh, uh, um, a one is coming to, from South Africa who wrote a book about the effect on women and children and civilians in the in the war's aftermath. So we have all different types of perspectives and considerations um, being being discussed. And it will be, no one can think of a recent example of this many different presenters coming to speak on such a wide range about the war and its context um, in recent memory.
0: So would it be fair to say this is probably the biggest or one of the biggest and most important sort of gatherings of experts and specialists on the war, at least in recent memory?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, on, on Absolutely. Undoubtedly. Um, the the real key to it, especially it's all going to be, they're all in person. This isn't, we're not zooming seven people in and this it's, for us, it was important because if you're able to come, we wanted everyone to be accessible. The idea was that, you know, in the same way that these are, it's an artifact driven exhibition, it's about them being physically there. There's no photocopies or, or art, artificially created anything that's in the exhibition cases that the people also make history. I mean, history is about the you know us, all of us as people, and what what has happened. So, the having everyone be physically there was very important for my for, for me and for my co curator Ian Knight because we really wanted, in the same way, we wanted you to come to physically see the artifacts versus just seeing a video of us showing you the artifacts. That that see, that meeting the into people having you know, be able to have real conversations in person was a big part of that. So yes, um, having multiple South Africans, Australians, Americans, Zulu, British, uh, you know, colonial perspectives all being shared in person. And also the books. I mean, the, my wife is astounded at, at some of this because she can't believe that there are six books coming out this year on related to the Zulu War in some way. And and I have to explain that these are just six of many more than six books that were kind of what will come out in 2023 alone about the Anglo-Zulu War. And so Again, you know, even having you know, new perspectives being shared in a published form, but having the authors physically there, again, is all about sort of how do we connect with this history in different
0: ways. But do you think there'll be a chance that maybe the likes of Ian and John Laband and some of the others might be floating around for a coffee and to say hello to people on, on those days, they're, they're available and happy to chat?
1: They'll be there all four days. Um, so yeah, no matter which, if you come to only one day, you'll meet them, they're gonna be there and yes, Uh, if you have a copy of one of their books, bring it. They'll sign it. Um, There's something for everyone in this exhibition. If you are simply curious, if you like learning, and if you want to explore a subject that maybe you know a little bit about or maybe know a lot about, either way, you will be engaged by what we've done here. So it's only on for the month of July the symposium is only those four days uh, but really any day that that uh, that you come across the month will be worth it we're going to be there physically on site uh Linde's uh w- is, will be uh, who's a, a registered tour guide at the Asandawan and Rourke Strip battlefields um uh with, uh, with uh, Zulu with descendant uh descendant from prominent participants of the war itself will be there for three weeks so we're making it so that no matter what day someone comes, that we're there to really welcome them. It's it, So an exhibition, it's not typical in that respect because most of the time the curators don't spend time exclusively in the gallery just waiting for people to show up. But for us, we want to engage people. It's about so much more than just writing a catalog and there's the gift shop and you know that's it.
0: Yeah, well, talking of gift shops, I wanted to ask you, for me, one of the things I love most about going to any sort of historical exhibition or to a museum is the gift shop. Now, you and I spoke a little bit about it before. Give us a sense if someone comes, what might they be able to buy? Because I'm actually quite excited. I've got my wallet ready.
1: Yeah, well, uh, funny enough, actually, Chris, well, you, you're probably in the last couple of few days here where you could actually influence what's in that gift shop by your comments and suggestions, or uh, what feedback you get in the immediate term, uh, because it's still a work in progress um, in, in some respects. The big thing, of course, is we'll have books. Um, we've been working to gather a, a huge range of out-of-print books, especially by the by folks that will be present, whether it be for the symposium or other times in the exhibition, as well as the new books that are coming out, the six new books that are coming out on a wide range of subjects. I forgot to mention the range, like we have a, a new graphic novel about the Zulu war included in one of the six. So it's not just specialist history. Oh, I mean, I'll
0: i get that for my kids.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's everything. Again, it, perspectives, it's all the different ways. We're trying to big, big tent, trying to bring it all, bring us as many different perspectives as we can. And yes, they're, they're great. They're great for kids. There'll be, um, we'll have uh, from um, Zulu beadwork, uh, uh, which we're working with uh, with a partner uh, organization in uh, KwaZulu Natal right now to prepare that for us. We'll have, of course, uh, toy soldiers. Uh, it's 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 how I got started in, in my interest in the Zulu War. Started with seeing a toy soldier diorama, so I have you know, have to have toy soldiers there. Uh, we will have um, other souvenirs for the exhibition itself. So we have an exhibition catalog, which we are uh, just now getting off to the printer, and uh, very focused on that being you know inexpensive, you know, so it's not, these are not going to be 65 pound, you know, exhibition catalogs or craziness like that. We're really trying to make it be an accessible, easy to uh, to afford and to take away with you a catalog. Um, I'll, I'll break there to say the exhibition catalog, the reason why we spent so much time on it is one of the things I do not, I dislike the most when I go to a museum exhibition that I love is I go get the catalog and I start opening it up in the gift shop because there are objects that I want to have an image of for my memory and to have you know on my bookshelf for later reference, and the catalog doesn't have all of the objects. And so we are uh, very focused on having the over 500 object artifacts that we had display all in the catalog and depicted and described. So when you By the catalog, you are actually getting a a true souvenir of what did you see. And if you didn't have time to see everything or to study everything, the catalog can really be that companion uh, to to dive in later. Um, We will say, uh, so so objects, um, uh, souvenirs of the exhibition itself, uh, from lanyards, and we're still working on actually mugs, you know, all sorts of posters, all sorts of good stuff in that front. Um, but that gives a sense of it. So from toy soldiers, uh, uh, Zulu, Zulu craft uh, uh, items, to uh, books, wide range of in-print, uh, in out-of-print books, um, yeah, and,
0: our, and souvenirs of the exhibition. So what do you think, guys? Am I gonna see some of you there? I really hope so. I'll be there from the 12th to the 15th, please do come up to me. I'm going to bring some t-shirts along with the Red Coat History logo on, so the first five or so people who come over to me and introduce themselves, I'll be sure to give you a t-shirt. Cheers, guys, and I'll see you soon.